Welcome, everybody, to Between the Lines, the podcast from Jewish Quest. My name is Simon Eder, and each week I'm joined by a special guest who helps us to deconstruct that week's parasha, exploring new insights and meaning in the Torah. And it is truly wonderful this week to be joined by Abigail Erman, who is Assistant Professor of Jewish Education in the William Davidson Graduate School of Jewish Education at JTS, of course, from New York. But actually, uh, this year, we are speaking to you in Israel. And wonderful that you have joined us. You're, of course, a renowned scholar, particularly in Jewish education and written numerous, numerous publications there. And we look forward to exploring more with you. Thank you so much for having me. So maybe just to begin, of course, Emor forms the central part of the Holiness Code, really at the very center of the Torah. Maybe you can expand upon just what the Holiness Code is. Sure. The Holiness Code is found in Vayikra, Leviticus 17 to 26. And it's really this ethical ritual law that describes what it means to be holy and includes some very famous things like love your neighbor as yourself. That's a big one in the Holiness Code. And it really describes sort of holiness of people, time and place. So it starts off in Kadoshim with the sort of what does it mean to be in relationship with others. So the between people, which includes, like I said, the love your neighbor. Then it moves on to sanctity and time or holiness and time, or which is Parshat Emmar, which we'll talk about. But that talks about the festivals and sacred time, the Chagim and Shabbat. And then later on, it moves on to holiness of the land and talking about Shemitah and holiness of place. Thank you. And obviously touching upon hopefully the themes that we will come back to and maybe to encapsulating everything. Obviously, of course, we've got holiness itself. What does that really mean to you? And obviously, you've touched on the several different themes. What's the string that holds holiness I actually was just listening to a really interesting Devar Torah from Ikar in Los Angeles. And Rabbi Mel Gottlieb talked about this exact question of what does it mean to be holy? And I loved this framing. So I'll share that with you. So he talked about two different commentators, Rashi and the Ramban. Rashi talks about is Kadoshim to you, is Prushim to you, is to be separate, which I think is how often we think about what holiness is something different or separate or distinct so that's one hand, that's one way of thinking about holiness. And the other that he proposes is the Ramban's idea, which is this idea of Kadesh So make yourself holy with that which is permissible, which is unlike Rashi, which is to be separate. It's a sort of invitation to engage in the world, that God gives us this beautiful world, and that through engagement in this world, that's how holiness happens. And for me, these sort of two poles, this one is the separation, and the other is this engagement. I think it's like the challenge of being holy, and also the beautiness of what does it mean to try to do this work and the sacred work. So on the one hand, it's to withdraw. But what happens when we withdraw is that we have the possibility of creating something really special. So I think we can all imagine these or 
recall these experiences where we've been able to where we've been able to create really holy special sacred community by our insularity and our particularity our separation so that's one one side of the spectrum and on the other side is what does it mean to enter into a community perhaps that's not ours and perhaps like the world around us what does it mean to engage in the world around us in a really meaningful way and what i think ultimately holiness the challenge of holiness so this may not answer what exactly holiness is but i think the challenge of holiness is learning to bridge these two different visions what does it mean to be able to draw on the strength of our particularity in order to do tremendous things in the world and also really engage with and learn from the world around us so i thought that was i thought that was a beautiful image and also really encapsulate i think as a parent as an educator as a jew as a human being in this world what does it mean to try to to live up to the ideal of holiness by trying to both create something unique and distinct and also be able to use that gift to engage with and be involved in and ideally i think learn from and transform the broken world in which we live thank you and do you find maybe yourself kind of oscillating between those two polarities oh on a daily basis <laughs> actually I, it's something i think about a lot i think about a lot as in my work certainly as in the work of jewish education what does it mean to train teachers and train people to be educators in the jewish world and what is that what does it mean in terms of our responsibility not only to educate for something very particular but also what does it mean to think more broadly about our mission and also what does it mean to just engage more broadly in the world around us i've done some a lot of my work is in the area of inclusion and diversity so i think about these questions a lot of what does it mean within and also without so inside within our community and also outside of our community and i certainly think about this a lot as a parent i have three wonderful children and this is this is really an ongoing challenge is i want them to have deep connection and love and knowledge and understanding of judaism and jewish life and i want that to i want their judaism to inform how they engage with and see the rest of the world and i want them to engage in the rest of the world i want them to see what else is out there i want them to be aware of what's out there i want them to change what's out there i want them to know i want them to meet people that are different i want them to engage in communities that look different from theirs and see the beauty of outside the jewish world so for me that's i this is a constant struggle for me Thank and i think a holy struggle Absolutely, holy struggle for us all, and thank you for sharing so personally too, and plenty of overlapping objectives also with the work that uh, that Jewish Quest does too. Maybe honing in now on holy time, which you um, spoke to in the beginning, and more outlines the importance of the holiness of time. Could you maybe expand on this? what is being the key messages from the parsha here so i think it really talks i really outlines the entire jewish calendar so it talks about shabbat and it talks about the chagim and it includes other other the chagim that are not mentioned previously so it really is really lays out the entire jewish calendar i i think there are a few i think there are a few important messages one is i think that 
in the parsha it talks about creating fixed times. It uses the word moed, which is the idea of carving out these fixed times that is different from other times. So I think part of it is creating a structure that ensures that we make space in our lives for time that is different from the rest of our lives, which I think is a tremendously powerful and empowering message that we can move along our day. I know I feel this all the time. I have my Google calendar and it pings every time I need to do something. And I have my email and I have this and I have that. And my the routine, there's something actually really, I think, grounding and wonderful about routine, especially when we have all these weeks post-Pesach of very little routine. But there's something that the message of Amor is saying that we can't live our lives that way, that we actually have to stop and do something different, that we actually have to have a break in this routine and the routine, and it has to give, has to yield something that is different, that, that allows us to be different and see different and feel different and connect differently than we do during the rest of our busy lives. So I think that's one important message. I also think that part of the message is that this the grounded in these sacred or fixed times is it's also about relationship. So I mentioned that it says Ela Moade, like these are the fixed times of the Hagim. But Moed is also about gathering. Let's think about an Ohel Moed or a tent of meeting. It's also about gathering and it's about connection. So I think that holiness is time is also it's about stopping. It's about using our time differently and allowing for the possibility for different things to happen. And it's about being in relationship, being in relation with community, with other people. I know that in in our house, it's like the one time we all play games together. We use our time differently. And it, I think, opens us up to really an expansive world of possibilities of what we're capable of, what our community is capable of, and an important recharging and refocusing. Thank you for reminding us of some key themes there and particularly in our world today that does not doesn't stop it we have that kind of time out of time during the pandemic but everything has gone back to normal and if not with with added energy so thank you i'll just add one thing if that's okay i just wrote down as i was thinking about these themes before we spoke i wrote down a quote by Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs that I think actually just captures he away with words. So I will just, if it's okay, I'll just share what he wrote because I think it captures what I was trying to say far more eloquently. But he said, the Torah forces us to remember what contemporary culture regularly forgets, that our lives must have dedicated ties when we focus on the things that give life a meaning. And because we are social animals, the most important times are the ones we share. The Jewish calendar is precisely that, a structure of shared time. Pretty powerful. Thank you for those words. Maybe just honing in on, you mentioned this particular time following Pesach and the counting of the Omer, that we also draw from this parasha. Could you maybe expand upon the roots of this from Emor and also how maybe this has evolved over time? So the Omer was originally in the sort of biblical command for the Omer is in our Parsha, but it was originally an offering, a sheaf offering that was began on the second day of Pesach and we, and was offered every day for 49 days leading up to the holiday of Shavuot. Since the destruction of the temple, 
no longer have sacrifices, but this counting, this the counting of the Omer and the counting of the days between Pesach and Shavuot is still performed. Over the rabbinic period, it also developed into this time of semi-mourning. So in the Talmud, it discusses the death of, I think it was 24,000 of Rabbi Akiva's students that's described in the Talmud. And the this was all during the time of the Omer. And the, on the 33rd day on the Omer of Lagba Omer, that's when the students stopped dying. So the rules of the sort of mourning rules that were enacted in the earlier part of the Omer are lifted. It has its original offering, the sort of agricultural roots developed into these semi-mourning practices. And it's also a time when we're moving and we're counting from Pesach to Shavuot. So we're moving from the freedom of Pesach to the redemption Shavuot. And I think part of this, the idea here is that we're not just it's not just freedom from something. We're not just leaving something, leaving Mitzrayim or leaving whatever it is, leaving our oppressors, but we're also moving towards something. So it's this idea of counting and anticipation of revelation. So there's this duality to the Omer, which I find fascinating. So there's, on the one hand, there's this mourning and this sadness, the right, the beginning of the Omer, especially the first 33 days are particular time of mourning where we're Traditionally, people don't cut their hair or they don't go to musical performances. There's all these different rules. But at the same time, there's a sense of we're building up to something exciting, something big, something special. So this anticipation. So it's morning and sadness, and there's also this anticipation. Yet further polarities that we encounter. Maybe finally, and you've already maybe touched on this a little bit, but I wonder if you might expand just on really the importance of the Jewish calendar for you. How do you mark it and how is it an important part of your life and and what we can maybe draw from that? It's a great question. And for me, I do think that part of it is about a separation, about a day to do things differently. I mentioned playing games with my kids, but it is about family and it's about having a time where I am not, on the one hand, it's these six times and the other end, so one day that I just don't have, a, not every minute is planned. So there's freeness and an openness, but it's about engaging differently and being differently and thinking differently. And also I think not being beholden to the rigidity of our routines and also technology and all of the things that sort of rule our modern lives, I would say. I think it's also about mindfulness and presence. I think about this a lot in my teaching. I try to think about this in my parenting. Sometimes some are successful than others. But I think just finding times to stop and connect and be in the moment, maybe focus, develop, I don't know, different dispositions that maybe are more difficult to do when we're bombarded by all the things that we have to do. Um, in our normal every day. And I think that also holds a lot of promise. And I would also say the last piece would be, as you mentioned, we're living in Israel now. So the rhythm of the Jewish calendar has taken on just, I would say it's especially powerful and palpable living in Israel right now, where the entire country, just the routine and the rhythm of the, the week's just follow. It's just a tremendously powerful thing that it follows the Jewish calendar. I feel like the best example was my kids. My kids noticed that on 
on Purim, they have in the supermarkets, all the stuff for Mishloch Manot. There's just like candy and junk. And then the second Purim ends, it's like cleaning products. Like everyone's getting ready for Pesach all of a sudden. It's like, oh, <laughs> I guess that's part of what it means to live here. But when your whole world is, it's so immersive and so all-consuming, it does, it just adds a layer of, I don't know, extra special, I think, to be able to experience the Chagim in this way and Shabbat in this way. Maybe just finally, if I may, a final and drawing on both your roles, obviously, as a professor of education and a parent, how do we teach these words to our children, to, to our sometimes rebellious children? How do we impart these words this week? To- Definitely. I... <laughs> I think I struggle like all parents to do all of this really tough and important work. And I would say, I I think part of it is there are a few different things I think I would focus on. But for me, you mentioned that there are all these dualities in this Parsha. So there's the duality of what it means to be holy and there's the duality of the Omer. And I I guess my initial thought is that I think we're all often tentative about exposing our kids to things that are hard or different or challenging. And I think that perhaps we need to remind ourselves that our kids, our learners are very resilient and that there are many that they can handle hard stuff, whether that's being exposed to things that are different from them or communities that are different from them or ideas that are challenging So I know that's not particular to the Jewish calendar, but this idea of, we think back to what we were talking before about sort of insular communities versus being engaged in the world outside, or thinking about what it means to be in mourning and thinking about challenges and hard things, but also being able to hold those things and also be looking forward to something better and the possibility of something better. So I guess that's the one thing I would say, which is not a fully baked idea. But helping our kids think about hard things. Plenty there. And thank you for reminding us of those really crucial things and speaking so beautifully to the parasha. So thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. If you enjoyed this podcast, please do remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do, of course, check out our exciting content we have for you at jewishquest.org. And we do very much look forward to meeting again next week.